0: 137 PM's live from the bar cart. A look into the style, culture, strength, and grind
1: of the modern day man. All right, Azealia Banks, welcome to the 137 p.m. podcast. My name is Brian Anthony Hernandez. I'm your host today. And you, of course, are a New York City born and bred rapper, singer, headline maker, and outspoken social media user. Thanks for joining us today.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: All right, so we've got so much to talk about today, everything from your music, your side hustles, your past, your opinions, and your future aspirations. What's the tea? What's the tea today?
0: What's the tea? The tea today is I'm feeling very festive. Yeah, I feel really, really nice, you know, about to go to the studio after this. And yeah, I've just been getting back into myself, musically and artistically. And it's, it's a really good time. Awesome. To be a zealot of banks. <laughs> yeah.
1: Let's talk about your music, because I'm a music journalist foremost. So let's talk about, you know, the three singles you released this year, as well as the new Christmas EP that, that you know, came out today, coming out tomorrow.
0: It's coming. Well, it's going to come out December 19th now. I'm actually doing like a right. fucking chicken run for it. But everything's working out really well. You know, I've also been super duper busy. I just came back from Brazil. I've been recording this EP in Brazil, recording this EP in New York, recording this EP in LA and just trying to, you know, get the right takes because you can't tell me when to stop. I'll record something like over and over and over and over and over because it's not done until it's out. Now I'm in a place where I feel very confident about all of the performances on it because this will be my first jazz offering. Mm -hmm. And I guess maybe as like from an outsider, you look at the jazz world and you just see like holy shit, you know, those people are really talented and they're really smart and they know what the fuck they're doing. Like, I really can't, like, flop this, you know? Like, regard- I'm not talking about streams or whatever. It's just, like, I I want to impress them. And kind of do more so I can do more jazz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like if, if I get like a bad jazz review, like I'll just be crushed. <laughs> I'll be fucking crushed. Like, I, I don't care what people think about hip hop and stuff, but the jazz and the theater stuff is what I did originally yeah. when I was a kid. So it's, you know, it's kind of like a return to roots for me as well. Yeah, using, using this instrument that I kind of haven't really been using for the last maybe. 12 years of my life since I started rapping
1: you talked about the roots so let's let's go back a little bit because at 137 p.m we're all about origin stories and I know um, it was 11 years ago when a talent agent discovered you back in 2000 was it
0: 11 I think it may, it may have been more than 11 All right. oh yeah I, w- I was 16 yeah some talent agent came to watch me perform at a musical at LaGuardia, and I mean he wasn't he wasn't a big talent agent he was like an independent talent agent But for me, that was like, you know, really cool being noticed by somebody. And I'd go on all of these auditions and they would, I don't know, it it just, I wouldn't land it. I don't know if I was, you know, auditioning wrong or not right for the parts or whatever was happening. But I go on all these auditions, I get the callback and then I wouldn't get the role. And eventually it just started, I just started getting really discouraged. And, I started hanging out, hanging out more with my boyfriend, like cutting class and like skipping school and stuff like that because I really wanted to get famous. And every kid who goes into theater and stuff like that, you kind of have this, this idea of your teenage years as like adult years and stuff like that. And I always wanted to be a kid star.
1: Like on Nickelodeon or Disney? Yeah, I was supposed to
0: be on Nickelodeon, be on (laughs) Disney and like... Do musical theater, like, you know, I don't fucking know, just shit like that. And by the time I was 16 and I hadn't landed any role, my dreams of fame started to change. You get what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. when when you're six years old and you think about yourself as an 18-year-old, you're like, that's it. That's the end of my childhood. Mm -hmm. But it's not. You know, clearly your childhood lasts a lot longer than that. So... I just decided to take a different route with the creativity. And you know what What was weird about it was that I never had any plans to be a rapper, never. Not even one. And what changed? Where was the switch? I had this boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I had this boyfriend who used to freestyle and he used to rap and it just looked so fun. So I was just like, fuck it, I'm gonna do this. And I started doing it just to impress him, really, I'd like to impress him and his friends. Like, we'd be, at his, we'd be like, at his house and eating Chinese food and, like, you know, smoking weed in the <laughs> staircase, whatever. And then they'd come back in the room, and they would play beats, and they would just rap. And I would just be like, oh, this is so cool. Like, these guys are really clever. Like, I could do this. I'm smart. You know, I was like, I'm smart enough to be a rapper. So, yeah, at first it just became about outsmarting them, outdoing mm-hmm. them. And they would talk about hip-hop so much. That's just how I am. Like, you put me around anybody. I'm like, oh, what's going on? I need to get involved. Like... I need to know. Him.
1: That's so cool. And this was around the time of the um, like the MySpace era. Yeah. And so that's when yeah. you joined and started putting music up on there too, right? Yeah. Tell us about that era and how that shaped you into what you eventually became today.
0: So that era shaped me because I had to do all the work myself. You know, there were no such things as like promoted posts or, you know, there was no payola from MySpace back in that day. It was like you were either popping on MySpace or you weren't. So I just just I really just got on MySpace and started DMing people. Like I just started combing through profiles of people that looked cool and that were like local in New York. And I just was like, I'm gonna just go meet this person and make friends. So I would go to like all these random like rap ciphers and like like meet up with all these like random like streetwear kids. Like remember like remember when people just used to walk up and down? Well, they still maybe maybe do they still do that like walk up and down Broadway all day? Oh, maybe. You know, like, okay, so, you know, like, 8th Street, like, Mm -hmm. Soho. Yeah. That whole strip in Soho, that was, like, the chill spot. And, like, everybody would go there after school. And they would be, like, you know, dressed up and just be walking around, like, eating Wendy's. (laughs) Like, you know... That was when American Apparel, like, first came mm-hmm. out and everybody was excited, whatever. So I would just go on these, like, Wendy's dates with all these, like, you know, guys. And I would just meet these girls that I thought were, like, cool and stuff like that. And just really started to immerse myself in this, like, downtown scene. So meeting people, meeting people, meeting people. Eventually I met this guy called 27 Clash who knew Diplo. And, like, I, I kind of knew what I was doing. Like, I was spamming Diplo for, like, on Bamming him, I would get home after school and just sit on his fucking MySpace and post, post, post. I'd be like, "Please check me out. Please check me out. You're gonna like it. You're really gonna like it. I promise you, I'm good." Please, and that's what I would say. I'd be like, "I promise you, I'm good. Please check me out."
1: That's persistence.
0: <laughs> no, oh my god, I used to be on there every fucking day, and that was that was you know that was also around the time when the recession was happening because I had a job at Starbucks when I was sixteen. You know, $270 a week for a 16 year old is a lot of money. And then when you're getting maybe $40 a week because they're cutting everybody's hours and giving the hours to the women with children, you know, and like the people who have kids to take care of. And I didn't have shit. But yeah, I would just be online, like looking for jobs, you know, like looking for little like uh, maybe I could work at Crumbs, (laughs) you know. Okay. first off, you know how many times I got rejected from Crumbs? How many? Four. Oh, my God. I, and I used to be like, why the fuck won't they hire me? I worked at Starbucks. Like, just let me fucking work. I know how to do this. I really do feel like Crumbs had like a a Vendetta with Starbucks or something. And it was it was really like they would lead me on. Like I would go in there, I would fill out the thing, mm-hmm. I would have the fucking call back, all this niggas like, making me auditioning, it's making me audition for cupcakes.
1: <laughs> but they would yeah. I wonder if they'll ever come back now and do like SpawnCon with you.
0: <laughs> okay. Right. Listen. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm I'm such a barista. Like I'm such a Starbucks girl. Still. What's your order? Um, chai tea latte. All right. No water. Grande chai tea latte. Or Grande no water chai. That's how you. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you call it out. Yeah. If there's like an American brand that I you know, kind of relate to a lot and really love, it's Starbucks, because Starbucks gave everyone in my family a job. Actually, my brother works at Starbucks now. Yeah. But anyways, back to what we were talking about.
1: Oh, so Diplo. Okay, so Diplo, Diplo. Diplo.
0: Diplo, Okay, so I meet this guy, Clash, and then Clash is like, oh, this girl is Eli Banks, and he's like, oh, yeah, she posts on my shit all fucking day. She's fucking crazy. (laughs) And then he finally checked out my music, and then then I was a rapper.
1: That's amazing. And then a few years later, or maybe...
0: Yeah, like a couple years after that, yeah, I wrote 212.
1: Yeah, that's was your official hit. studio debut. Yeah. Hit. Remind everyone how that popped off, why it popped off.
0: 212 popped off randomly one day. I was I was doing a show in Montreal. It was opening for Kid Sister. And my manager got a phone call that my song was playing on BBC. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what BBC was. Yeah, Like, I didn't even know what that was. I thought it was one of those, like, you know, you know how he's scrolling through the TV and like one of those back, back, back yep. channels. I was like, "Oh wait, what's that?" Then I found out. I was like, "Whoa!"
1: Yeah, BBC Radio One, Nick Grimshaw. Yeah, he played it. Nick Grimshaw it. and
0: Annie Mac—they just popped it off, and it just fucking exploded.
1: It became an international.
0: Yeah, hit. that shit. It still explodes. Yeah, like I've been trying to play new music and like come out with new songs and like you know trying to get eclectic and you know. Yeah. Do my jazz and people are like, when are you gonna make another song like Two and Two? <laughs> it's like it's kind of just like I I don't know I will especially now that the tenth anniversary of Two mm-hmm. and Two is coming up. Yeah,
1: actually, our photo editor who was taking photos earlier when she moved to New York it was around the time when that song came out, and she said that was her go to song. I love
0: hearing stuff like that. Right? I love hearing shit like that. Sometime you know you know what will happen, and it's kind of cool. Sometimes I'll just be in the city walking around, and there will just be some random tourist, and they will be like, "Azilia, Azilia Bass. Oh my god, is Azilia face on the tour? <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh my god, I can't imagine how fucking like cool this probably is for you right now." You know, like if I was walking down Convent Avenue in Harlem and like ran into Ella Fitzgerald, I'd be like, "Whoa, <laughs> like what is happening?"
1: John, the floor moments like that. Hell yeah, yeah. All right. So let's fast forward to today. Um, earlier this year, you signed a record deal with Entertainment One. Yep. So over the course of your career, you've released music digitally and physically mm-hmm. as a unsigned artists, as a major label artist and as an indie artist. What have you learned from trying out all those various routes of distribution?
0: Oh, well, well I've learned that with major labels, it's 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 hard to not get lost in the sauce, especially if what you're doing is very personal. If you want to sell commercial music product, then you should definitely go major label because even even if you aren't the most popular, the people who work at labels and work in the music industry, you know, the commercial music is like they're the most popular products. Mm-hmm. You know, people on a general level, just aren't really into these niche things. Because, a lot. you know, what I've noticed is that people don't really have time to digest things. They just want their song to work. You know, when someone's driving in their car or, like, doing their stuff, they just want easy, you know, kind of like McDonald's, like, easy, just get it, eat it, and then, you know, move on with your day. And if you are, just, like, seeking to make this kind of cool you know, or different type of music, and it's not to shit on the industry. This isn't like a basti yeah. industry thing, right here. It's best that you go with one of these smaller boutique labels because that's what they do. You get what I mean. Yep. You you can't really expect to try and be a zili. Zeal- well, actually, you can. You can. And they definitely dropped the ball on Broke With Expensive Taste because Broke With Expensive Taste was really fucking hot. Like, oh my god, I've never seen so many great reviews for like a single project. I got so much critical acclaim for that
1: from your peers too. Yeah, cool
0: from yeah. peers. But um, yeah, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna do something that's more atelier, so to speak, you know, you you have to put the music with people who are experts in marketing to people who like that kind of music, like an Excel recordings or mm-hmm. like uh,
1: you know. Yeah, so, so <laughs> a lot of fans are waiting for uh fantasy two. Yes. What's the approach there like as far as distribution and marketing and like well, creativity? See,
0: that's kinda of why I've been really working hard to build this company, EXO, because mm-hmm. I remember maybe about like two or three years ago, I was pretty much blackballed from the industry. And, you know, like I wouldn't even be doing this interview right now. Yeah. And a lot of people they just didn't want to talk to Aceia Banks. You know, it was it was Partially out of necessity, partially out of boredom, and partially out of, I guess, rebellion that I wanted to endorse myself. You know, I would look around and just see all of my peers. They'd have all of these sponsorships, you know. They'd be like, in this ad, in this ad, and, you know, they'd be selling this product. And it just seemed like, you know, well, shit, if no one will endorse me, I'll endorse my fucking self. I'll endorse myself and I'll keep all the money for myself. And... Yeah, cheap V X O is it's a it's a merch shop, but it's also like a, a good store. It's well, it's not really a good store so much as it's just like what my vision for it is for it to just be this gift shop. Have you ever heard of a place called T C Goodies? T C Goodies were these old school like it was like Hobbyland. And you could go in there and you could buy like the candy out of the plastic bin and you mm-hmm. put it in a paper bag. You could buy comic books and lanyard and like jump ropes and chalk and just like all these little things that a kid would just love. And that's kind of how I feel. It's just becoming that in a way, because I feel like people come to me for the tea. Yep. You know, they come to me for the tea for just a little conversation, a little joke, a little ha ha mm-hmm. kiki. This is how I'm going to legitimize all of that.
1: hmm. And musicians nowadays, they make more money off touring and merch and things that aren't actually the music. and so it's 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 a smart route for any artist to take,
0: yeah, but you know to to be quite fair, I do make I make a decent amount of money off of music. yeah I think that that might also be because my fans are probably buying like I might be getting more unique purchases rather than streams and stuff. but it's not a bad job to have everybody's always like, Oh, there's no money in music. It's like there's tons of money in music. You just if you have work to work for it. Or well, that's not necessarily true. You just and have, have to the that's not true <laughs> either. You have to just be in the right place at the right fucking time and you gotta go. Like it's one one thing I realized is like, well, with me, people people stay tuned in regardless. Like they just love all the dumb shit I do. I don't, and then complain about it. <laughs> you know, they like are addicted to like my fucking stupid Instagram stories and then they complain about it. That kind of keeps an audience engaged mm-hmm. through the ups and downs. Like people are just like really into my story and they're just into this character. But really, like if you really want to hit it, like you kind of got to just like strike while the iron's hot because people lose, they lose their attention like this.
1: The attention spans are so short nowadays. Attention
0: spans are so short. Like, Sometimes I see these albums come out and they're like literally gone. The internet just eats shit up.
1: Mm -hmm. There's too much to consume every Friday, especially with music. Exactly. It's hard to keep up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like that whole system of everybody releasing on Friday is just not good because people are looking for new things on every single day of the week. And I think that lots of new artists or just like smaller artists or whatever, you can just get buried by that big rush Mm -hmm. of friday release
1: you see them taking to like soundcloud and these other platforms kind of like the myspace back in the day to yeah to release their music and kind of get past that that of, of music that all comes out on one day
0: but what was good about myspace versus soundcloud was that there was no algorithm yeah like soundcloud's got an algorithm it's like if you like this you might like this and they kind of start creating your taste for you where it's like with myspace you had to find and discover things and i think it made at least for me it made music a little more special nowadays and even as a musician nowadays i struggle to find things that aren't picked for me like everything is picked for you mm-hmm. you know it even, used to be
1: fun to go into the store and or just go into cyberspace yeah. and
0: fucking just find anyone now it's like who to follow mm-hmm. you know your explore page is just all curated by these weird like silicon valley you know It's like, oh, you're a black girl. Here, let's show show her pictures of hair weaves and show her pictures of lip gloss and like booty and waist trainers.
1: Those targeted ads can be pretty hit or miss. (laughs) Even
0: just the way Instagram or like your explore page organizes itself. Like, yeah, like, oh, she, she liked this one thing about, I don't fucking know. Like my Instagram is mess. (laughs) When I just, like, go on there, it's just, like, selling me this, like, dream. It kind of is telling me to be, like, a light-skinned, big-booty stripper girl. <laughs> Get this weave now. You need this weave. Don't you like this wig? <laughs> Do You're you like, like these lashes?
1: <laughs> You're like, no.
0: No, I'm like, yes. <laughs> I need that. Uh, me too. I wonder if any <laughs> of your cheapy
1: XO stuff has popped up on people's...
0: Not yet. Not yet? Not yet. And that's that's also something that I have to learn how to do. My fan base is buying a lot of it, and they're talking about it, and it's happening organically. Yeah, let's talk about the actual
1: new soap that came out. What is the fan base that's buying soap like this?
0: Oh, it's all kind of people.
1: Describe what the product is to people listening, and then okay, um, so what first, niche it's filling.
0: First off, the tagline is, Azealia sells soap because Azealia got bars.
1: <laughs> I get it.
0: Got it. I just have I have a bunch of different soaps that work for different skin conditions or concerns and stuff like that. I can't really explain in detail because I'm still working on my FDA approvals, Mm -hmm. but they're cosmetic items that promise to make you more beautiful. I
1: think I saw somewhere in quotes, Lightens and tightens.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, so I have Bussy Boy and Pussy Pop. They are the brand's bestsellers. They're antifungal, anti odor, anti itch, anti yeast, anti hemorrhoid. And they gently exfoliate your genital skin around your vagina, around your butthole, around your balls, and just, you know, get kind of just years of life <laughs> and bad decisions, regrets off of you know just like lightly 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 exfoliate the butthole so that eventually it shows up and it looks brand new I think a lot of people think that you know you can just fucking like scrape your asshole off and like grow it back it's like no they're like oh this isn't working fast enough I'm like babe trust me you don't want it to work faster (laughs) So, you know, If it worked
1: faster, it'd probably be dangerous. Yeah, right? if it yeah. worked
0: faster than that, it would burn your butthole. <laughs> the type of shit that these boys be in my DM telling me is like crazy. They're really crazy. The, the gays be out there like, they be like, look at my hole. <laughs> they just be promoting the hole. So, well, you encourage them. You told well, them do, to send stuff. <laughs> I, I do encourage them, you know, that's right. But I didn't think that they would wild out like that.
1: <laughs> so you're getting the actual before and afters.
0: Yeah, right. And but they work. They really do work you know some some you'll see like almost as if like the butthole's like puckering out and it you put the bussy boy on it and it just shrinks the capillaries because it, it has witch hazel in it and it has lactic acid and vitamin c and all of those yeah. good things so it just shrinks the capillaries around the you know maybe you have like loose clit skin or you have like loose ball skin or maybe you got fucked real hard <laughs> and your butthole's puckering out but, yeah, that'll put that in. It's, it's anti-anal fissure, anti-hemorrhoid, and stuff like that.
1: Is it controversial at all with the lightening part of it?
0: I mean, I, I guess if you want it to be controversial, it can be. But let's not... It's, it's such a boring conversation. Skin lightening. People are going to do whatever the fuck they want to do, you know? And that is definitely not... It's not going to, like, bleach you out. But... You know, I think I saw
1: one of your fans using it on their face. So I yeah, was, oh,
0: and it doesn't yeah. it doesn't like bleach you out. But if you use it consistently, like on a on one area, yes, it's gonna lighten that area because the Got skin, it. dead skin, and like shit vapors yeah. are just gonna start exfoliating and stuff. It, it's controversial in the other way because of the word "bussy," and it's just like <laughs> very vulgar word
1: for a lot of our straight fans who may be listening. What is a what bussy? is a bussy?
0: A bussy is a boy pussy. It's an ass. Bussy boy. It's educational. Make that bussy outlet. beam, boy. <laughs> it's so good. And for pussy pop, oh, let me read you the anagram. Powerful, undeniable, sexy, soft, useful, pretty, outstanding pussy.
1: Oh wow, I didn't know there was an anagram on it.
0: Yeah. That's cool.
1: And you said your fans design these, right? Yeah. How did you find them?
0: I just go on Instagram and I just like say, "Hey guys, I got a new soap. Here's what it's about." And I originally wanted to make these two characters because I was going to make like a little like kind of cartoon for TPXO. But then once I got the soap, you know, and started making this, I was just like, hmm, I think they should be called Pussy Boy and Pussy Pop and they should be like best friends. So they're like the Team Rocket of like anal and vaginal (laughs) cleanliness.
1: Team Rocket. Oh, my God. Yeah. Are you a Pokemon player?
0: No. No. I I was a Pokemon card collector and I watched the Mm. cartoon. Nice. All right, so
1: you mentioned your gay fans. You and I are both part of the LGBTQ community. Me as a gay man, you as a bisexual woman. Bisexual woman. Um, Bi
0: erasure is real. They always try to cut the the bisexual people out of the combo.
1: There's a B in LGBTQ. Right. So we got to acknowledge that. Uh, What's your role as a high profile person in our community? What do you think your role is?
0: I try not to take a role because when you take a role, I think you kind of are expected to not be yourself and be kind of this like this idea of a perfect gay person which is it's it's the same thing that society does to everybody you know like it's kind of just like when you're gay or you're part of the lgbtq why would you want to be normal you know you're supposed to be crazy you're supposed to be a little
1: we spent years trying to fit in growing up that's not what be i mean noticed. like you yeah. spend
0: years trying to fit in why the fuck do you want me to I don't know. I'm not like, trust me, I'm not going to show up on Pride Month and like tweet a rainbow emoji. So all of you guys can be like, yes, I'm gonna show up in your city and do my show and talk to you every day about this butthole soap. and I'm gonna check on (laughs) your butthole and make sure that it's good. But you know, I all of the like all of the extra shit that people do, I don't have to do because people are like, I I live it. People are in my life all Mm -hmm. day. And I think that especially with the internet algorithms and stuff like that and the gay media, I think that the LGBTQ community kind of doesn't realize how much they subscribe to things or they you know and or how much they accept these like prescriptions of what they're supposed to be mad at, who they're supposed to be mad at, when they're supposed to get mad. And
1: Do you think it's very selective as far as
0: I think it's all marketing. It's money. It's dollars. And I don't think that especially gay men, I don't think they really realize how much of their outrage is kind of planned when they have these like you know when something happens online and it's like oh this person said faggot and ah, now we're all angry that's an algorithm mm. you know something has to happen to get that post in front of all the gay boys
1: yeah what's your response to those type of posts maybe if someone else said it maybe like Kevin Hart who just step down from the Oscars or maybe some of your tweets from the past where people describe them as homophobic. Mm -hmm. What's your response to those and people who...
0: Well, I mean, you can interpret what I'm saying, however you want to say it, you know? And I think that it's kind of... I, I I don't think it's fair to the people who are offended by that word for me to go into the... You know, oh, well, I'm from New York City, blah, blah, blah. You just, you know what I mean? You just yeah. kind of don't say it. Because, and not not because it's a bad word. I, I've said a million bad words on here. Like I say bad shit all the fucking time. I say nigger, cunt, bitch, hole, bussy, whatever, you know? I don't like the algorithm. You get what I mean? Yeah. I don't like that. So even in the beginning of this interview, when you asked me about the Elon Musk yeah. thing, it's like, that's that's algorithm. Mm-hmm. You know, that has no, that adds nothing to to anybody's life. You get what I mean? My random thoughts, what I ate for breakfast, that's just the internet. We're just so used to loading ourselves into it. And there has to be a point where we kind of distinguish what's news mm-hmm. and what's not actually news, just so we can all stay on track. You get what I mean? Yeah. Because... And different
1: journalists are going to ask different things just because of...
0: Yeah, but I, f- I feel like it's the media's job. Yeah. It's the journalist's job mm-hmm. to kind of counteract those algorithms because yeah. journalists, I feel, will hop on the back of that algorithm readily because they mm-hmm. want yeah. all of the posts and all yeah. of the, you know, whatever. But at the same time, it's like, are you really saying anything original? Are you really doing anything original? Or are you just reiterating what you think the algorithm wants to hear? so that you can get. So.
1: As a music journalist, I would just love to just talk about the music and the lyrics, the bars, as some people would say. I just think, personally, I'd be remiss not to ask certain questions, as far as because being part of the community and no, being part because- of business. and.
0: Okay, so th- then then there it is again. I feel like the community, it's like this proverbial thing that exists on the internet and doesn't really exist in real life. The community does not stick together, honey. In real fucking life, the community does not stick together. That shit does not exist. You know, like in real life, I've seen the no fats, no blacks, no femmes, no Asians. I've seen how the gay community turns its back on trans women on every fucking body all the time. So the community does not exist. That's the point I'm trying to like, you know, it's an Internet thing. So so when I I get these like, you know, questions like that, Mm -hmm. it's like, babe, what have you done for the community? You know, I hire like almost everybody that works at GPXO is LGBTQ, trans at all. That's
1: amazing. And I want you to bring that stuff up because I think there are some concerns and maybe sometimes clarifications that need to be made because people only tell a certain side of your story.
0: But but it's not my story. It's the algorithm. This is the point. Like you are kind of like, like you get information out of your phone and you think that it's reality. It's not reality.
1: Um, I think some new data that people might be interested in is your opinion on social issues that you may be advocating or interested in? I guess, what are some of the social issues you care about nowadays that need to be talked about more or talked about in a different light? Hmm.
0: I think I'm at my wit's end with social issues right now. You know, I'm at my wit's end with social issues because it's so hard. It's, it's really fucking hard. Well, first off, the whole like administration is just a fucking clusterfuck. And it's hard to keep up with. So it's really hard to kind of, to speak mm-hmm. on social issues, you know, because I'm not a politician. Everything I say could sound like fucking conspiracy, you know, and I'm just not really sure where America's going right now. I don't really know what's happening here. Do you like, you? do you understand that? I don't really know what's happening. I it's, a, it's a
1: scary time when there's this much confusion, especially. It's, it's not
0: as scary. It's not as scary as the algorithm would like to make it. You get what I mean? Because um, trust me, America's been fucking deporting people and tear gassing them and fucking sticking dogs on them since its inception you know i think a lot of what's happening nowadays with the social issues is that the media and everybody is seeking to blame this singular donald trump for an entirety of like american history and i I think a lot of people are trying to let themselves off the hook they're trying to absolve themselves of responsibility and Mm -hmm. say he is what's wrong with america like Donald Trump was born maybe, like, what, 70 years ago? You can't tell me that he's responsible for everything that happened before then. But people are just so heated.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, it's just a lot of anger. Like, they're so mad. He's mad. Everybody's just mad. And it's like, damn, you know what? I just want to get along. I just want to get along, (laughs) honestly. And I want my fucking tax break. Yeah. Fucking wiggy bitch. You fucking, that fucking wig. Anyways, I want my tax break, nigga. Are you mad at him now? No. No. No, Because I know
1: you endorsed him back during the election, and then I mean, you, you because, stopped because, endorsing him.
0: Yeah, but we had to make a decision. We were voting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, there's no reason for me to even talk about it. You get what I mean? When 2020 runs around, guess we're going to be having this fucking conversation again, you know? But in the meantime, it's just like, mm. But at the same time, you know, there's a lot of things that Donald Trump has done with taxes that really, really work for families. Now, I might have me a kid, so I could get me some of them tax benefits, you feel me? But... You know, it's it's hard to know what he's doing because there's just so much press around everything else. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to put things in perspective. But yeah, I, I think I think if everybody could just chill out for a second and realize that that very point that what they're doing is trying to make this one person responsible for an entirety of like you know like these these problems didn't just happen overnight. These problems w- have been here from the beginning. It's systematic, yeah. And they have been here from the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how. It's, that's how this shit is built yeah. so I mean and then on top of that it's just like you know social media just gives you like the right to complain and like nothing ever really gets done like you know you're just sitting behind your phone like Ch-ch-ch-ch. I know that from someone who's, who's done it so and then you know what I notice as well when you ruffle people's feathers up it's hard to get in positions to actually do stuff you know maybe I have to be a little more stealthy maybe I have to wait until this fucking like anger dies down I don't know I think Trump's gonna win again I'm actually positive that he will. But I think something might happen while he's in office the second time. And then after that, I don't know what America's going to do. I don't know what no, I I really don't know where America's going. I don't either. We'll have to we'll I don't I don't even know cuz it's, cause it's oh, just gosh. like, you know, the Democrats, they're so busy fucking they're so busy using their media power to bash Trump. It's like, y'all not even telling me what y'all doing. Y'all just bashing Trump. It's so hard to just I don't fucking know what's going on, everybody. The girls are fighting! (laughs) Wait,
1: what is the team? The The girls girls are are fighting!
0: (laughs) The girls are really fighting. And it's like, shit, I'm not going to get involved in this brawl and get my fucking wig pulled. (laughs) Speaking of the girls
1: that are fighting, who are um, maybe some people in the industry right now who are not fighting and impressing you musically?
0: I really like Abra. You know Abra? Mm -mm. Oh, she's good. You got to get into Abra. And she's real cute. I like Abra. I like her. Her? She's yeah. great. Five
1: Grammy nominations right. this year. Huge.
0: But, you know, I could be a really good music journalist under an alias. All right. What would your pen name be? I guess you can't tell me. because I, I can't tell you. <laughs> but you you know a lot of the shit i will be saying be spot on. Yeah. It'd be like,
1: ooh. Well, your, your king of R&B analysis was spot on. It, it is. Brian McKnight. Brian McKnight Come on. is the one.
0: <laughs> Nobody's fucking with Brian McKnight. I got one. <laughs> Nobody's fucking with Brian McKnight. Was anybody even close? No. No. Like, just his, like, dexterity. Yeah. The way, like, and accuracy. Like, he was like... <laughs> and it's like, woo! And he's so jazzy with it. Yeah. You know? It gives you those goosebumps. Yes! I think Brian McKnight is better than Luther Randross. Oh, wow. I said it. <laughs> Brian McKnight is better than Anthony Hamilton.
1: But you said he was the best male.
0: Yeah. Rochelle Farrell yeah. takes the cake. She's the best. Oh,
1: Collab? I wish I wish
0: she had social social media cuz mm-hmm. I wanna I wanna follow her life. I wanna see what she's having for breakfast. and, like what kind of lotion <laughs> she uses and stuff. She's just so fucking cool. And she's like she's such an inspiration for me, especially. Mhm.
1: Your breakfast comment reminded me of uh, your interview on The Breakfast Club earlier this year. And you mentioned how you said you want to grow and change continually, like the rest of us. What are you actively doing to do that? And what more do you want to do to grow and change musically and as a person?
0: I mean, just, okay, so even even the way I just avoided all of those bombs right there, you know? Yeah. Because it's different when you give like that data to the, the media, then they just throw it right in the algorithm. It's like... You know what I mean? If they get something from my Snapchat or my, I mean my Instagram, it'll go, and then it's gone. But when I show up on like camera, you know, I gotta represent. Yeah. Especially if I'm gonna be fucking around all day on Instagram. Yeah. You know. So yeah, I'm just, I'm really, I'm learning how to work the media in my favor too. I mean, you didn't hold back with Charlemagne, so. Oh, that's because Charlemagne be trying me. Charlemagne be trying a girl. Sometimes you just gotta be like, God damn Charlemagne. God damn it, Charlemagne.
1: Well, I like the point you made on the show about the, the reach, because the Breakfast Club obviously has a huge audience. Yeah. And you mentioned your Twitter numbers maybe might not be as huge. And so as journalists, we have the responsibility to accurately depict who you are and ask the right questions to make sure the audience doesn't have misconceptions or things like that. So that's why I wanted to ask this question about growth and change.
0: That's, that's that. Just because everybody's going to have their opinion, and I should be allowed to express my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think that what happens when people try to take my opinions and use them as a weapon against me, that's when you have to say, no, I already said that. You can't say it back to me. The power is mine. Like, no, 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 no. If you're going to write about Azealia Banks, because when you get that, when you see Azealia Banks in a headline, people click. You better make sure you say something good.
1: Something good and new. Yeah. So speaking of new, what's next for you in the future? What else are you
0: working on? I'm working on the Christmas EP. I'm working on Fantasy Two, mm-hmm. And then I'm going on tour. Hopefully get back to L.A., do a little movie or two or something, you know. Oh, pop-up shop. I'm having a pop-up shop in Brooklyn on January 5th. All right. And a show. It's a like small performance, a little meet and greet. Do you know where? At $3 bill. All right. At 260 Mez Real Street. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can perform at 8 o'clock. I'm an old lady. I do not. I can't be out there with the gays that late. They be sniffing them poppers, honey. <laughs> They'd be sniffing the poppers in there, sweating. They'd be like, Azalea, is that you? Azalea. Queen, I love you. Azalea. And I'd be like, girl, I'm tired. They'd be like, take a picture. Azalea. Speaking of your tour, is
1: it going to be a global tour? Because I know you have a good fan base. You perform a lot overseas.
0: Yeah, well, we'll we'll see. We'll we'll be able to gauge the market once I get this hype up. Like, you know, because and that's another thing I needed to do before Fantasy 2 came out. Because... I didn't want to drop it on deaf ears. Mm-hmm. I needed to get the public to love me again or just like me again or just at least remember that I was there. So, yeah, I'm doing that with GPXO. I'm on my best behavior right now. You know, I'm really fucking trying, really trying hard. And people are noticing the music, too. Like, oh I, think, I think people have always noticed the music, but yeah. I think that what people need to notice is just like not necessarily a change, but just kind of compare like the things I've done to the things that like artists that are on the top of the charts have done it's like not even comparable and you know you don't have to like my music you don't have to listen to it but i'm just saying if you're gonna put that much effort into hating me you should probably you know take a take just give me a chance mm. give me a little like a little chance
1: i mean one recent accolade that's really cool that you achieved was um pitchfork named anna Wintour number 88 song of the year yeah it should have been in Wintour. the top 20s though Why do you think that one out of the ones you released this year resonated with them and
0: the rest of your fan base? Because it's uh, it's very cathartic. It makes you just feel like, oh, well, maybe not top. No, it should have been in the top 20. No, (laughs) it should have at least been in the top 50. Come on, Pitchfork. Come on. (laughs) It's one of those self-love anthems. Yeah. Yeah. People need to love themselves more. I don't want to be number 88 on anything, (laughs) but I guess I should post it. I'm a little bitter. A puppy and That should be that should be the post. <laughs> no. No, because then they're not gonna put me on the list again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's just like you know. so then you know that's an act of maturity. Yeah. Uh, a younger Azealia Banks would have been like, Fuck you, Pitchfork! You don't know anything about music. And because I'm the real deal. But thank you, Pitchfork. Thank you very
1: much. The new mature Azealia Banks in 2019 yeah describe
0: her she's coming to collect her dicks honey okay. i'm coming to collect all my dicks all y'all bitches one two three girls get up off them dicks because y'all been sitting on my dicks you know and the girls just been running around here like what's up you know thinking the shit on me and it's like bitch i'm the most talented bitch in this shit i gotta collect my dicks yeah i gotta come up off my dicks right now
1: i mean you said it in two one two
0: yeah but Pam- no now the, now you really gotta line. get off the dicks <laughs> because you know what it's like i really want to win and Chibi has kind of, and I don't know exactly what I want to win, but I just want to feel a sense of winning. Chibi XO and the need to have really good customer service, you know, and mm-hmm. be nice to people and like all of that stuff, it's kind of changing me as a person because I guess it's like habitual behavior that I do. Yeah. And when you're like saying kind things and saying nice things to kind of just, Makes you happy, mm. and when you are happy, you can do anything.
1: Saying nice things makes you happy. What else makes you happy?
0: My dogs and like all the little soaps, like little colored, colorful bricks. They just like, like every time, every time I drop one of them, I can hear it scream. It's like they're like little children. I love, I love my soaps.
1: <laughs> all right, and then final question. I know we're running um, short on time. Uh, what are three life rules you live by that young people can learn from, or old people? Hmm.
0: And this is not like going to be some super independent women shit, but like my mother always used to say this saying. She would say, you should never have wet pussy and a dry hand about like you should never be like and that's that's not to be like, oh, a gold digger. And like, Mm -hmm. oh, not it's just like you should never be out here, like just running amok when if you don't have your shit together, you know, it doesn't necessarily. Of course, it really does. Me, of course, she meant it like that. Like, no, if you fucking some guy, you got to pay for something. But that's like, you know, we're like millennial women. We are, you know, we're different. We're like, I'm independent. I don't need a man. (laughs) That even goes to say, like, you know, if your shit ain't together, don't be out partying. Don't be out. You know, you have to keep your shit together. No matter how you keep it together, you got to just keep your shit together. And
1: And it's harder said than done,
0: but it's it's so much. But you got to try. You really do got to try it because you can just let go. And I don't know. I can't think of another one.
1: Mom pro tips are always (laughs)
0: pretty much it.
1: All right. Is there anything else you want to mention before we sign
0: off? Sign up for gpxo.com Subscribe to gpxo.com to get access to special discounts and exclusive Azealia Banks links for the EP, for the Christmas EP. And I love you guys. Have a good day. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah Kwanzaa. <laughs> Winter
1: solstice. Zelia Banks, thank you for joining us and being real with me. Thank you um, for having me. Appreciate the candor. This is one thirty-seven p.m. If you want to own the future, start this minute. Live from the Bar Cart is a Gallery Media production.